Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1901. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in beautiful Freiburg, Germany, with a very special guest by the name of Gundula Toot. Gundula, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready when you are. Hello, Mark. <laughs> well, we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun. I was just telling Gundula, I have been to her part of the world. She actually lives in a small town outside of Freiburg, but I've been there before. It's a beautiful part of Germany, so uh, I need to get back there. It's been far too long. Before we uh, start things and I give you a proper introduction, would you share one little thing with my listeners that maybe most people don't know about you? <laughs> I'm not sure how many people know this in the meantime because Peter Stevens has been talking about that sometimes to people. But he um, knows, and I told him once that I have been a little punk girl in my high school times. A which, punk girl, <laughs> really? Okay. I don't have hair anymore, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. We look back on our past and we look at where we are today. And sometimes you think, well, how did I get here? Uh, <laughs> things are very different. Well, I'm, talk I'm talking to a German punk girl today. That's very interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Not <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. You have a, created a very interesting career in business for yourself that is very fascinating, especially to people who love old vehicles and are always trying to figure out how to preserve them and bring them back to originality. So let's get started. Dr. Gundelatut is the founder of Omnia Restoration, Freiburg, Germany, where she conducts scientific analysis, conservation, and restoration work on original paint and coatings, leather and artificial leather, textile materials, wood lacquers, and galvanic surfaces on historic vehicles in active use. She provides professional conservation and restoration work for motor museums, individuals, and public collections. Gundula is the master of vehicle preservation, having constructed her own doctoral curriculum at the State Academy of Art in Stuttgart, Germany, and serving as a conservator at the Revs Institute in Florida. She was integral in the creation of the educational program for IGFS, the Swiss Profession Association for Restoring of Historic Vehicles and their suppliers. In addition to working on personal historic vehicle projects. She helps many museums bring cars back so all of us can enjoy them. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about this fascinating career, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give them a little listen and we'll be right back. Did you know the most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior is the sun? Harsh UV rays damage your interior over time, cracking the dash, fading colors, and the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you and me. Their quality-made sunscreens are easy to use, take seconds to install and to remove, and they protect your vehicles while parked in the sun. If using a cover, 
isn't a good option. I have one for every one of my cars. They come in a variety of colors and options, and their accordion design makes unfolding and folding them up for storage as cool as the summer breeze. Your sunscreen comes custom-tailored for your special vehicles and manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. Here at Cars Yeah, I've got a savings just for you. Use the code YAH21, that's Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code YAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah, American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Gundula, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into your world. Uh, You've created a fascinating career for yourself. Can you kind of take us back through time? What drove you down this path, excuse the pun, and uh, brought you into this world of caring for and bringing back these beautiful old original cars? I started my formation as an art restorer and a practical formation. I had a practical formation and also an academic then studies in this field. But when I started working as a freelance restorer on monuments conservation, I more or less stumbled into the car world, into the historic vehicle world, because I met a colleague in a, at a project we were working together, and he's a car collector. Of course, he had a different approach to his cars than it was usual at the time, because he was a kind of art conservator also. So in that time, it was about mm, 18 years ago, all these things about preservation and original materials and keeping what you have in an original state and everything just was at the very beginning. And we both kind of uh, discussed these things uh, in regard to his cars. And one thing was that the methods you can use in arts conservation and monuments conservation when you work, for example, on buildings where people live in, historic buildings. This is also a question of keeping the things uh, when you can, but also make these things usable or keep them in use. And this is an interesting 
thing, uh, apart from museum conservations, where the vehicles just stand and are kind of not moving. And he wanted to drive his cars, but keep the materials. And I wanted to help him with that. Because in my formation at the academy, I learned, for example, how to remake a formulation for egg tempera paint from the age of 1800 before, uh, after Christ and everything like that. I thought, if I can make a media monk's recipe for painting <laughs> or illuminating books in a way, uh, then it should be possible to remake a material from the 1920s or 30s or so, which is not available anymore, yeah. and make it available for restoration, which is also a thing because the modern materials cannot be used together with the old materials. So you cannot replenish damages. Yeah, anymore. this is fascinating. And I think your timing was actually very spot on because I, I've been attending uh, prestigious Concours events for years. And it was probably 15 years ago where all mm -hmm. of a sudden you started seeing a preservation class at Concours events. Usually it was cars that were immaculately restored, but this whole concept of over-restoration started to appear. And people saying, these cars never looked this good <laughs> because they didn't have the techniques, the metallurgy, the paints, all these different materials. And so all of a sudden preservation came along. And you look at collector cars today, if you have a car that's original, preserved, loved and cared for it, not a barn find that was neglected and left there mm -hmm. to rot. Uh, it's worth a lot more money to many collectors. So your timing was impeccable, Gundula. It was mere chance and I took it. This is the thing. I took the chance and uh, you need a lot of resilience in this, in this point at this point, because of course, a lot of people were making fun of me. What do you want with this stuff? And what does the girl want <laughs> in a way? Huh? Preservation? Oh, forget it. And it won't work anyway and everything like that. But yeah, I had my I had my company first in art restoration business. So I had a living in a way. And this was uh, emerging parallel to that. And I think around, I think it must have been around 2006 or so or seven, I started working only on cars. I had to decide what to do because to do both is very stressful to kind of change or swap the worlds and the way how it works between art and cars. This is very stressful. So I had to make a decision. Would you say that as you've uh, started working on cars now, been doing it for some time, you've gained a whole new appreciation for old automobiles? I had no appreciation before, not that I hated them or so, I just did not have any idea about old cars. In my family, this was not an issue, and uh, I had a typical kind of girls' education in a way with knitting and sewing and everything like that, and a crafts education also from home but uh, and from my job, but I did not have any idea of cars. And this is where my colleague helped me a lot, because he was deeply involved into the car world also dealing with or kind of collecting a Bugatti and a Renault from 1900 and everything like that he knew a lot of people and I could learn from him how this very exotic world that the car world is with their own rituals and language and all these things how they they think how this works how to kind of get part of it well, you've been very wise because niching down into a specific field, especially one like yours, 
is so important. And word travels fast when we who have old cars realize there's somebody who can come along and keep it original and preserve it so that the value not only stays there, but the value to us personally stays there, Mm -hmm. that we know there's not some kind of new part on there that wasn't really there. (laughs) When you think about what you do, I, I know that you just came back from traveling. So you actually go out on the road and go to people's collections, obviously museums, but also personal collections for people and help them restore their vehicles? This is, it's, it's, it has different, different points. And in this part, this was about a car that was kind of very endangered of falling apart or also the original paint falling off and everything. So you cannot transport the car without severe damage. So it's better to transport me than the car. <laughs> no <laughs> severe damage for Gundula. <laughs> yeah, I, I can stand up to traveling better than this Stanley steamer, for example, could. Wow. It was a Stanley steamer from 1904, I think. I have to look it up, but it was 1904, I think. And it was the the first paint on it. And if you load it on a truck and uh, kind of drive it to my place, nice try, okay? (laughs) Yeah, bumps around and things move and jostle and everything. So, wow, that's fascinating. When, When you think about what you do, all the different aspects of a vehicle, is there anything in particular that's your favorite to work on? I like the other part of my work, which uh, I, I like all the things. And you also, you have some things you don't like to do, which is a kind of a special uh, techniques or something like that. But I, in general, I like everything I have to do there. But um, hmm, uh, there's another part of my work, which is also research and investigation on cars. For example, if somebody has a car that already had been restored and he wants to know what was the original paint? Usually using the right techniques, which remind us of forensic methods more, um, you can also usually find fragments of, a, of a, the initial paint job on the car mm. when you look into in-depth into the materials. This is very, very interesting. If you, for the first time, when, for example, when I for the first time discovered and had an analytically proven uh, a fish silver paint, a real fish silver paint, which is a kind of like a unicorn in a way, wow. an exotic animal that you never saw from near, you heard of it, and it should live out there somewhere. And <laughs> in, back in the in the dark ages, they, they were around in a way, but nobody. I know before saw a real fish silver paint and I found fragments on this underneath a later repaint. I had to ask the laboratory four times to back check this before I would tell the owner, okay, your car was initially painted in fish silver. Fascinating. Can you describe to me what you mean by fish silver? This is a pigment that was used mainly uh, in the 19 in the early 1930s before you used it to make artificial pearls. Um, there okay. Crafts, uh, kind of artisanal um, pearl industry in Mallorca for artificial pearls, for example. It's extracted material from fish scales that gives uh, or gave the first kind of not metallic; it's more a pearlescent paint. Yeah, they they used it also in in celluloid before to make hair combs and everything that looked like um, mother of pearl or something. But somebody had the idea to also apply it on cars. And, of course, this was a very elaborate and also expensive thing to have. Later, it was replaced by the metallic aluminum flakes we have today, which also happened in the later 1930s then. Mm -hmm. But there are some few mostly very interesting coach-built cars that had this paint and 
if you ever saw something like that repainted in the right way, which I already had the pleasure and the honor to, to help with this in the meantime, then you know what the difference is between a metallic paint and this real fish silver thing. Right. And it makes really a difference. It it's, it's models the shape of a car in a completely different way because it, it doesn't have this bright silvery effect. It's more a very sophisticated pearlescent shine. You know, I'll tell you, I have a Porsche, 1987 Porsche Turbo that was mm -hmm. special ordered by by a gentleman and it's done in a pearl orange and Ooh. it's a six stage paint there's actually layers of different colors underneath the top coat orange and the clear coat there's metallic mm -hmm. green metallic yellow it glows from within so the way you're describing this fish scale paint is very much like what my vehicle looks like it wasn't a factory color it was a special order mm -hmm. through their paint a sample program and they only painted three cars in this color but when mm -hmm. you get it out in the light it looks very unique and different and of course now there's pearlescent paints and there's paints that change colors as you walk around mm -hmm. it's not like that this has a much more rich sophisticated color so when you're saying the process of fish scale, it kind of brought a smile to my face because I thought that's kind of how my car looks. It, it has this glow from underneath. Yeah, it's, I think it's even a little bit different because I, I, I know cars like that a little bit with these kind of paints that are rare, really rare and really special. I can understand what you mean. The fish scale is more like a pearlescent. A really pearl, strange. even more. Yeah, yeah. You don't in the flakes or something like that and it's very very they had these kind of very um, kind of um how can you say sophisticated light blues and things like that not very loud paints but very i'm special thing you know i'm yeah. very i'm very expensive this car <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i am quite special i am yeah. i am i am like a fish <laughs> when you think about driving inspirations in your life these are people mm -hmm. who are mentors or influential is there someone that stands out for you uh, of course, my colleague, I started into this, into this car world. I have to say that really, because without, without his help, I would never have found my way into this world and uh, also kind of could have communicated to the people who wanted my, my help that they can have it because they didn't know this was possible. And for that, you also have to find a kind of basis of communication with these uh, car enthusiasts. They kind of uh, grab and they understand, you know. You just cannot go there, oh, hello, I'm working for a museum. I can do something for your car. He will say, what do you want? Yeah, yeah go away. <laughs> didn't you see the uh, no solicitor sign on the, on the yes, gate? Yes. Yeah, this is, of course, my colleague helped me with that because he knew these people and he told me, for example, he told me, um, if somebody likes you to work on his car, please ask him before you open the door if you may open the door yes. or the hood or something like that. Of course, he will say, please go ahead. Yes, but he will like to be asked. It's like you want to lift the skirt of his girlfriend, oh. even if you talk <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, being a car guy, I kind of get that. Yeah, don't touch my car. You'll go to yeah. car shows and see all sorts of interesting things and stickers on cars. One that stands out is, unless you're nude, don't touch my car. So, yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. sometimes people, well, lots of times people get picky about it. I understand 100%. Let me ask you this. If someone was going to go into your field of expertise, how would you advise them? Hmm. Um... You have to be really resilient to uh, backlashes and frustration because this is not an exact science. And mm -hmm. I 
rarely have the same problem or solution twice in, in, in all the projects. You have to be very flexible. You have to think outside the box every time. And it's good to kind of join a network of people you can discuss things with mm. who have a similar thinking. Because I remember as the most problematic thing in the beginning that I had hardly anybody to talk about what I'm thinking, what I'm kind of the questions I'm kind of trying to solve and everything like that. It made me feel alone. so alone. Yeah. Yes. And since I managed to also kind of positively contribute to a network that now also keeps me um, uh, alive and keeps me um, uh, in, 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 in a good company. That, this is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fantastic. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about challenges. It sounds like every project you went, you go into has a challenge attached <laughs> to it. That's probably part of the fun, though. It's uh, like you said, forensic. It's a mystery that you have to unravel. So keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back. Linkage, it's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion, and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is Tech Force Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. Tech Force helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive, with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. Tech Force awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. So let's talk about this. You've encountered so many unique experiences in your career. It must make it really fun, but very challenging. So talk about maybe a great challenge that you faced and how you overcame that and what you learned from it. Oh, yeah. One of my really hard challenges was when I started to work with the nitrocellulose paint I managed to reconstruct. Reconstructing the paint itself was, was also a step-by-step -step thing by using old formulations, getting the materials, having the, the pigment um, preparations, which are, were not there anymore. I had a clear coat sooner or later, but you had to pigment it. And so I had to construct a ball mill and everything like that to make this happen. And when I had my first nitrocellulose paint, I was kind of, okay, 
and how is spray painting working now? Nobody told me ever, and I had nobody around me who would teach me. Wow. <laughs> find out myself and this was really really hard I, I i was really stressed in that time and i was also dreaming of my work all the time yeah <laughs> well nice you know i always said my wife jill has a great saying about you know it's okay to walk away from a project for a while even sleep on it that old saying hey i need to sleep on it because your brain keeps working whether you realize it or not it's always trying to figure things out now that maybe that just <laughs> explains why you have nightmares <laughs> you're trying <laughs> you know, which nitrocellulose pain, trying to reconstruct that could give you nightmares. Expl mm -hmm. Explain to our listeners uh, who may not know that term, nitrocellulose, because that's a term that's very old in the painting world. What exactly is that? It is a modification, a chemical modification of cellulose, which is in wood or other fibers, of course. And it was um, invented um, after the second, uh, the first world war, sorry, this is the first world war coming from the gunpowder industry, because they had a lot of surplus of explosives made with nitrocellulose from the first world war. And they thought about what to do with it when in peacetime. Then. And, of course, the car industry emerged, and one of the major players there was General Motors, which at that time was uh, tightly bonded with DuPont, which is a kind of explosives and chemical industrial um, facility or company. And they worked together to make this usable for cars. It had the big advantage from the oil-based paints before that it dried really fast. Mm. And this sped up automobile production immensely. And it also looked very nice because you can polish it to a really, really deep and wonderful luster that even will not be obtained with modern paints wow. because of special chemical and optical properties this material has. Oh, fascinating. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize the history where that came from. You think about companies like DuPont. Oh, they used to work in, in a different industry. You think, well, now they're, you know, you think of them as paint and they've always mm -hmm. been that way. And that gunpowder, but you think about the word nitro, nitroglycerin, explosives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and uh, today it vanished from the market more or less because it is, of course, more vulnerable than the materials we have today. Yes, it's true. But if you look at the collector cars we're talking about here or the special enthusiasts collections, they will not use them as daily drivers usually. Right. So uh, it's not as vulnerable as some people claim it to be. So don't be afraid. It worked for car painting in the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it will not fall off immediately. You have to take a little bit more care of it or kind of think with the material a little bit more and in germany at least in europe and germany we have um, special permissions to use them even of environmental laws that initially prohibited it but for historic vehicles we are still allowed to use it because it's the material that belongs to, to the cars Wonderful. You've probably worked on so many very very cool unique vehicles when you think about a bucket list is there an automobile that you would love to be able to work on looking ahead? Something that you've always thought that would be really cool? I'm not looking ahead so much specifically on a special automobile or car or something like that. I'm just, I'd like to get half the surprise of what comes next. <laughs> <laughs> I think every day you, you walk into someone's collection or garage or museum is probably a big surprise for you, don't you think? Ah, this is, of course, of course, because you see things you never saw before, of course. And right. yeah, also get to know people you 
wouldn't have got to know otherwise and and talk to them in a very special way and yeah learn about how they think how they approach their collections what their questions are and yeah and you 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 develop ideas with them how to go on with the problem they describe and everything like that. So this is very great. Oh, it's fascinating. I love it. I like to ask my guests about a very special vehicle in their life. I'm going to switch this up maybe a little bit for you. And that is, is there one car that you think about that you've worked on all these spectacular cars that really stands out that you look back and go, wow, that was a huge challenge or a very, very unique vehicle. But man, that brings a smile on my face that I was able to uh, preserve that vehicle. There is a car I always see as my favorite uh, project. Mm -hmm. It's not a so much a, a flamboyant coach-built car. It's a Renault Type C from 1900, which is today is in the Lauman collection, and it's also in the museum. And it was one of my first projects, and it has its original coach paint and some special features like a very very early use of aluminum, for example, and a whole lot of charisma it's like a, a smiling little grandmother and it runs nicely and everything like that <laughs> oh man my my heart is with that car in a way <laughs> i understand a smiling little grandmother who doesn't love a smiling little grandmother i, I think yeah. it's wonderful i always like to ask my guests if they found a way in their life to give back to others obviously what you do is bringing these cars back sometimes from the dead, if you will, uh, making them available to people again, usable again. Uh, is that your way of, of obviously helping people in the automotive sector? This is one way, but I'm also teaching in Switzerland to try help educating young people into this um, kind of craft and business. Um, there is a, a, a was an initiative going on. I think since 2010, we had been working on that. My Swiss colleagues and me. I'm the only German who is allowed to participate, which is very special in Switzerland. Yeah, <laughs> by that, and we. Um, kind of uh, established the first state recognized formation for restorers which is having it's having an exam and kind of um, finals like a master craftsman wow recognized master craftsmen in the European tradition of master craftsmen and our students in the meantime we had four um, kind of uh, graduate four generations of graduates coming out of this in the meantime and they find their way in the industry I see that bit by bit now and I'm always so happy when they join big collections and are developing their skills there and work there as employees or make up their own business and are successful and everything. And this is something I do. Um, this is um, on a very low key basis with uh, about the, the financial way. It's not the thing I earn money with. Um, it's only compensated in a way, but it's very, very important for me because I see that this takes our knowledges and also the knowledges of a lot of older craftsmen who will not be there for a long time anymore into the future. Wow. It's, you know, it's a wonderful thing you're doing. My listeners know that TechForce Foundation is a charity that I support here along with RPM Foundation. And now's a great time to do a shout out to a mutual friend, Nick Ellis, who brought us together. Uh, mm -hmm. Had lunch with him last Friday. He's in town here in Gig Harbor. So we enjoyed some time and we talked about you. But uh, yeah, these organizations that are helping young people find uh, viable career paths into this, plus they can combine their passion for old automobiles into a career. 
it's the best of all worlds. Uh, you've discovered it. I've discovered it. And uh, 1,900 other guests here on Cars yeah, have also discovered the secret sauce to life. Is there a great book you like to share with us today that you've read maybe recently? I'm having an audiobook at the moment in on my on my playlist, which is an old book. It's from 1902. Otto Julius Bierbaum. He was the first guy traveling over the Alps with an automobile in a tourist traveling thing, and he wrote a book about that. And <laughs> I think it's wonderful. He also has a very good sense of humor. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it never has been translated in English into English. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I'll have you do is uh, maybe you can email me the title of that book, and I can research that a little bit. Maybe I can find uh, a translation for our, our English-speaking uh, folks over here. But uh, wow, can you imagine 1902 taking a trip over the Alps in an old car? Because the roads probably were pretty much non-existent other than wagon roads <laughs> for horses and stuff. Wow. He, he crossed the Gotthards, you know, and everything over wow. the, not, not in a tunnel like we do that today. No, no tunnels. Yeah, back then. No, that's, you know, absolutely amazing. It's a tribute back to uh, Bertha Benz, of course, yeah. in, in her first travels, uh, the first lady to take a car on a road trip and, and also to stop and get fuel, which is pretty Yeah, cool. yeah. It's, he, had, he had an Adler automobile that had eight horsepower. Eight. Um, and eight, <laughs> which his chauffeur, he was driving with his chauffeur and his wife. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure his chauffeur was going, this is the last chauffeur job I'm taking. Uh, <laughs> this guy's crazy. The chauffeur said, uh, according to, to Mr. Bierbaum, this will be no problem. Eight horsepower will take every mountain. <laughs> yeah, no problem. There's optimism for you. Well, he, he led the way for the rest of us taking wonderful drives through the Alps. I've driven through the Alps. Man, magnificent. But I have a hard time imagining that kind of trip through the Alps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, I'd like to take you on what I call the ultimate drive. And this is my ability to enable you to pick any vehicle in the world, to drive anywhere in that vehicle, and to be with anybody. Could be somebody living or deceased. What does that <laughs> ultimate drive look like for you, Gundula? I was thinking about that when, when you asked me first in your email. I, I was thinking I would really like to have a Land Rover and take a drive with Queen Elizabeth uh, from England. because. Yeah. Maybe she she was a uh, she was educated to be a, a truck and ambulance mechanic in the Second World War when she was eighteen, and she is also I think she was all her life she was a dedicated driver and also fearless uh, of mechanical things and everything like that. Um, I don't know if she's in her nineties now. I don't know she would surely like to take the wheel but if she's not feeling so well i will be honored to be her driver for a day <laughs> now that sounds like a wonderful wonderful drive and i, I had read some uh, history about her and i i learned that and i found it quite fascinating that somebody who grew up in royalty was actually trained to do uh mechanical type work but she's to me she's seen i mean she's such a strong woman and mm -hmm. uh, just a stoic person and so i kind of can see that with her and i, I know she loves to go out in the countryside obviously range rovers goes out there uh with her animals and horses and hunting and shooting and all that kind of thing so uh that would be nice is there a place that you'd like to be traveling with her can you think of a, a roadway or a place you'd like to to be driving the queen around 
I think Scotland should be the natural oh, yeah. habitat of all this. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> well, as you both drive by people, you can do that little queen's wave. You know, they do with the twisting of the wrist. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's that. Now, that's a very unique answer to that question. You're the first one who wanted to take a ride with Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so uh, you're a very unique person. You've taken us on a really unique ride today. I'm so happy that you are preserving these very special vehicles for future generations hundreds of years for people to enjoy before i let you go could you share maybe a success quote a mantra a couple words of uh, wisdom or advice for our listeners hmm. yeah keep your optimism keep your kind of curiosity in a way for the vehicles and for everything around it and also for the people around it i think this is what i would have as an idea for about the you know, you are a very optimistic person and your curiosity is never ending. And again, I, I really feel you have found a secret sauce to a happy life because doing the same thing every day over and over again has got to be the most boring thing on the planet. And uh, with what I get to do, talk to very interesting, unique people every day. Some people say, well, don't you get tired of talking to people every day? And I say, no, these stories are so different. Everyone's unique. Everyone's different. And the stories, these automobiles that you get to be a part of must be very much like that. So so uh, keep your optimism and curiosity alive. How can people learn more about your business? You can simply Google Omnia Restoration. I think you will find me easily also on, on English or U.S. Um, search machines and everything like that. Um, yes, I have a LinkedIn profile also. You can contact me via LinkedIn. Um, and my website also contains some further readings and some maybe interesting case studies and things like that. So be welcome to take a look around. You'll have some fun, uh, fascinating life you created for yourself. And a bit, again, a big thanks to Nick for putting us together today. I'm so yeah. happy that you got to share your life. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your world with the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. This was fun. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!